1 Corinthians 14, verse 14 through 15 and 18, says, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding. And then he goes on and says, And I thank my God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. When it comes to spiritual warfare, um, many times, according to Romans 8:26, we don't know how to pray. And, and, and I just have to be honest, in, these, in this day and age, you just don't know how to pray a lot of times. And, but the Holy Spirit has given us a tool or a weapon, if we can put it that way. Um, we are spirit beings, and we live in physical houses of flesh, okay? And so whether we realize it or not, there's times that we, we kind of sense something's not right. And it's not a natural sense. It's a spiritual sense. Uh, the spiritual being inside of us, the spirit being inside of us of who we are is sensitive to things that are going on um, in the spiritual realm. Uh, I, I, I use this example a lot of times. When my wife and I were first married, uh, very shortly thereafter, within just a matter of a couple of weeks, um, we found ourselves traveling in full-time ministry with another organization, and they put me in charge of a team of, of people. I'm 19 years old, and they put me in charge of a team of people to, to cover most of the West Coast. And so um, my wife and I, they provided for my wife and I at the time a 19-foot Winnebago. And uh, my wife uh, is not much different today, but if 10 minutes into a drive, and before I didn't even get out of Lafayette, she's got the seat back, and she's, she's, gonna, she'll, she, she's just going to cruise and relax. You know? So when you had a motor home, you know, she was just like, uh, wake me up when we stop, you know, and which for me, I never stop, you know, I just keep on going, which having a motorhome was good because there was a restroom on board, you know, for her. And, uh, but one time we were traveling out west and we were heading into Utah. We were actually heading into Salt Lake City and she had never been there before. Um, she was born and raised in, in, in Montgomery, Alabama and really had never been much out of the state. And I've traveled all over the country being a military brat. And so, uh, I'd been there before, and we weren't probably 15 miles or so from Salt Lake City. If you've ever been to Salt Lake City, it's in a crater. It's surrounded by mountains, and you go down into it. And we had just come into the top, and it was about dusk, and so you could see the sun setting over the top of the mountains around there, the hills and everything. And as we were starting down, she was asleep in the back of the motorhome, and she sat up and came running up to the front. She goes, where are are we? And I'm like, did you have a bad dream or something? She goes, no. Do you feel that? And I said, yes. And she goes, where are we? I said, we're coming into Salt Lake City. She said, Bob. She says, can you sense the oppression? And I said, yeah. I said, I can. She, she said, it woke me up. That's how strong it was. And so I know that sounds strange, but she was sound asleep. But your spirit doesn't sleep. Your spirit is awake. And so it was sensitive enough to pick up the oppression that's over that city. Now, why that city? If, 
if we were to be honest, every city, every town, every place has regimented powers of darkness that work in there. But Salt Lake City, obviously, being the headquarters of the Mormon Church, it's a very, very powerful base of that, that false religion. And so uh, it, she was sensitive. She said, she says, wow, she says, I need to go in the back and pray. And I said, well, you go ahead and pray. I'm going to drive. And she did. But it, I'm just telling you that because it, it quickened and it, it woke her out of a deep sleep because she was sensitive to that. And my point is that a lot of times our spirits are sensitive to things. We're, we may be aware of a, a de demonic influence or oppression, um, uh, trying to come and discourage us or frustrate us or whatever. We, and, and we don't have the revelation yet of what we're fighting or what the enemy is trying to do, but we can sense something beginning to happen. And so my point is this, that in spiritual warfare, we wrestle, the Bible says, against not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. But we wrestle from a place of victory. I talked about that a week, about two weeks ago. But we don't wrestle with overconfidence. Okay? There's, there's, do you understand what I'm saying there? In other words, we, our position in, in spiritual warfare is not to defeat the devil because he's already defeated. Okay? Our position is to declare what God's word declares. And so the Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, our, our, our battles are not against people, but they are against um, spiritual darkness that operate through people, that come against us in many different ways. So we wrestle from the place of victory, knowing that we have authority and that we have victory over it, but we don't wrestle with overconfidence. And what I mean by that is a cockiness attitude. You know, Jesus was very um, straightforward when he would rebuke demons and things like that. So it's, there's a difference between confidence and being overconfident. Does that make sense? Okay. So we need the Holy Spirit to show us how to pray in this day and age. We need him to show us how to pray. And, we, and praying in the Spirit is a, I, I put down is a must to, in, in, the, in, in regards to waging spiritual warfare. It's not that you, you, you can't be involved, in, that, that you can't, you can't that, that any spiritual battles that you're involved in or uh, oppression that comes against you doesn't mean that you can't, you can't overcome, you can overcome. But the Bible says that the weapons that God has given us are not fleshly weapons, they're spiritual weapons. And they're spiritual in different manners. We talked about the armor of God a few weeks ago. And so what I'm talking to you tonight about is praying in the spirit or praying as, some, as, as, as the Bible scripture we just talked about, or praying in tongues. What is that all about, okay? I realize that this may be um, a, a re, just rehash for some people, but for some people it may not be. Um, but think for a minute. When it, before a soldier goes to war, um, that individual goes through a grueling physical training to prepare them for the battlefield, okay? 
For example, in the U.S. Army basic combat training, in 10, basic, in 10 weeks, basically, they're trying to take, transform a civilian into a soldier. How many of you know there's a difference between a civilian and a soldier, okay? Yes, that's right, amen. And the training prepares that soldier physically and mentally so that they can withstand the physical strain of combat, all right? So why should it be any different when it comes to the things in the spiritual realm? There is a training, there is a process, there is a conditioning, there is these, the, all of these things take part in that. So when we are in a war, that means that we will fight many battles with ultimate victory, but the battle largely against our souls is in, our, in, in three areas, or it is against the soul, which the Bible says is the mind and the will and the emotions, okay? That's where 99% of all our battles are, is in the soulless realm. We are made up of spirit, soul, and body. If you ask most people, that Christians, they'll say body, soul, and spirit. But think about that. We are a spirit being who has a soul and a body, okay? Um, but when we say body, soul, and spirit, that really reveals the emphasis of our life, lifestyle, that our focus is on our body, our wants, our desires, and then our soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions, and the spirit man is kind of last. And so I'm very purposeful in saying we are spirit, soul, and body, okay? We are spirit beings that have to take control over our soul and our body, our flesh, okay? So what we need to realize is that since most of our battles are going to be in that realm of our mind and our will, our emotions, our intellect, our, our wills, and our emotions. If we are led by those things, we will go completely awry. We have to have the Spirit of God there. And so the enemy is going to attack in those areas. And so if, if a, a man going off to, or a person going off to boot camp has to be conditioned physically, mentally, and disciplined in such a way to be able to go into battle. The same thing goes for each and every one of us in, in spiritual means. We, we must be taught how to deal with all those things. How many of you know? I don't know about you, but most people I know are very emotional in one way or another. Now, some are, very, some, some are outwardly emotional, other people are emotional, but they hold it all inside, okay? Doesn't mean that they're not emotional. One may be very boisterous, and one may be very quiet, but their emotions are rocking and rolling all day long inside of them. Their will is being torn from one side to the other, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's kind of like, have you ever, when I was a kid, I was the oldest of seven kids, and at Thanksgiving time, you know, um, my mom would always cook one of them like 25-pound turkey things, you know, and to feed a family because it was not only the family. We would invite people on the military base that, who couldn't go home for the holidays, uh, the single uh, airmen, and, and, and they, we would invite them to our house also. So my mom always cooked big turkey with all the trim. And in my house, well, we had a lottery system to see who was going to get to pull the wishbone. You know, and my mom would pull that wishbone out and she would hang it 
uh, on the old stove had a little timer clock thing, you know, and she would hang it there, and it was like for a day or so, we'd see that thing sitting there drying, drying out. And I remember one year, my brother and I, we were like going to undermine each other, and we were going to get that thing before the other one could do it. We said, forget the lottery. You know, I'm the oldest. I'm, I'm thinking, lottery, nothing. I'm, I got, I'm bigger than the rest of you. I'll beat you to a pulp, you know. <laughs> And my mom tried to tell me, she says, you can't pull on that thing. It's not going to break because it's not dried out yet. I'm thinking, with my strength, I can, I can break that thing. So me and my brother, she let us, let us go after it. And that thing hadn't dried out enough. And we're pulling and twisting. And, you know, I got him on the ground. And I'm stepping on him and trying to turn it around to break this wishbone. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't break because it wasn't conditioned and dried out enough to do that. Well... You know, a lot of times we do that with our emotions and our wills, and we, we think that we can do this on our own, and we're trying to, we're trying to fight a, a fight that's not possible because the conditions aren't right because we're trying to do it in our own flesh. I don't know if that made any sense to any of you, but I understood that, okay? <laughs> in the book of Jude, and there's only one chapter, so I'm not going to say Jude 1, <laughs> You know, somebody, I, I did this one on Jude 20, and they go, and what verse? And I went, uh, 20, Jude 20, okay? He says, but you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, or pray in the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 2, it says, for he who speaks in an unknown tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him, although in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. So I like, to, I like to kind of back up and look at this and say, what is he saying here? So the first definition I'll show you tonight is out of the Webster Dictionary, okay? And the word mystery there says, uh, one of the definitions is a religious truth that one can now only by revelation and cannot fully understand. That, in other words, they're just saying it's, it's a religious truth that one can only basically know by revelation and cannot fully understand it. Um, the Greek word, and I, you know, I'm not really into all this, but it helps us understand this a little bit. The Greek word for mystery means a hidden thing, a secret mystery, a hidden purpose or counsel, or a secret will. So he's saying here, for he who prays in the Spirit is speaking mysteries. He's speaking mysteries unto God. In other words, unknown things by the speaker. And how, but how many of you know God knows? Because God knows everything, right? So in the, in the New Testament Greek lexicon, here's what it says. It says, the secret counsels which govern God in dealing with the righteous, which are hidden from the ungodly and wicked men, but plain to the godly. And this is clearly all through the scripture. In other words, the Bible says that we see through a veil beforehand. When grace comes into our lives and we're born again by the Spirit of God, God pulls that veil back and we see things and understand things we never understood before. I had a, a friend in high school back in California, and um, I, spent it, I had just come to the Lord, and I was really young in, in the Lord and just learning from him. And so I was at his house, and his parents were passed out drunk. Every night they were alcoholics, and they were usually passed out drunk by 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. And when we used to party, 
um, that was a good thing. But now I'd given my life to Jesus, you know. And so we're at his house, and he's, he's wanting to go party. And I said, no, man. I said, I said, let me talk to you about a different party. So I'm talking to him about the Lord, you know. And so he says, where do you get all this stuff? I said, out of the Bible. You got a Bible in his house? And he goes, yeah, I think we got one somewhere, stuff somewhere. And it was one of those big coffee table Bibles, you know. <laughs> and he went and got it and opened it up. And so he's, he's reading the scripture. He goes, that makes no sense to me at all what you're saying right there. I said, that's because there's a veil over your spiritual heart and over your spiritual understanding. I said, you can't see it. And I said, um, I said, I said, have you ever played the password game? And back then, password had just come out by Milton Bradley, I think it was. And, and, uh, and it used to be a TV show, remember? And, uh, and for some of you will remember. Anyway, it would have a card that you would slide in. And the person that would have the word, it had a, a red film over the little card so that they could see the hidden word. And then they would have to give clues to try and get that person to guess what the word was, okay? And so I said, and, and, and he said, I don't understand this. I said, here's the way it is. I knew he had a password game in his closet. I said, go get the password game. So he goes and gets the password game. I said, bring it out here. I said, let me just pick a card. And I just pulled a card out. And I said, tell me what the first word is. He goes, well, duh, I can't tell you what it is unless you put it in the little thing. I said, well, just look up close. So he's got his eye. He's up like this looking, and he's trying to figure out what the word is. But everything's in red on there in such a way that he can't see without the film. I said, but now slide it down inside. He goes, well, read off one word after another, after another, after another. I said, that's the way it is with the word of God. I said, you can't understand it because you're... You, you're on the other side, son. I said, God is over here. But when Christ comes into your life and you surrender your life to him, I said, then you can begin to read this Bible and all of a sudden it comes to life. It's like just you slipped it inside that little packet and all of a sudden you can understand what's there. He said, it can't be that easy. I said, I'm telling you, that's the way it is. He said, and he said, because we were taught not to read the Bible growing up because it would mess you up. And I said, the crazy thing is I never read it, and I was so messed up it wasn't funny. I said, I said it's, it's like it's just the opposite. And so that night we, I just kept sharing with him about Jesus and what he had done in my life and everything. And, and um, he finally, late that night, he goes, how, how do I receive Jesus into my life? And so I told him. And I said, do you want to pray with me? And so I, I prayed with him. And I said, now, you got to be sincere about this. This ain't no game. So I, I, I led him to Christ. And he began to weep and cry. And, and, and um, you know, guys don't do that, you know. I mean, you know. And he, he began to weep and cry. Well, look the household he was living in. It was a mess. I mean, his father was a, like an orthodontist in town, and I forgot what she did. They had tons of money, nice home, nice side of town. The whole, but but it was his, his whole life was a mess. And so I led him to the Lord, and he began to cry. And so we went and got something to eat. And then we came back out. He goes, can I read this Bible thing now? I said, sure, man. The Holy Spirit's inside of you. He's like, put that film thing over your eyes. So he starts reading. He just opens and starts reading a scripture. 
And I said, tell me what that means. He goes, well, I think it means this. I said, that's exactly what it means. He's like, man, this thing works. He said, this is, this is freaky. And I said, go back to that scripture that we had read earlier that you didn't understand. He said, well, where's it at? So I flip over to it, and he reads it, and he goes, dude, all the words have been changed. And I said, no. I said, now you're a spirit person seeing in, in a spiritual way. The veil has been lifted from your eyes. And, and, and I say all that is because it's talking about the fact that this word mystery, he says, for he speaketh mysteries. He said, it's like the secret counsels of, that, of God in dealing with the righteous, but the ungodly can't see it. And so the word of God is that way, but spiritual things are that way. It's amazing how many people who profess to be Christians who are ignorant, and I don't mean that in a, in a slanderous way, but they're just, they're ignorant concerning the spirit world, the spirit world in which we live. And they don't realize that it's not just about fighting that person at work or your boss or, you know, this contract that you're trying to get in or whatever. It's, it's, it's a spiritual battle that's going on in your life. So the Bible speaks of all kinds of mysteries. In fact, in the New Testament, the word mystery is used many times. But what it really refers to is that something that was seen in the Old Testament but not understood until Christ came, and then it became clear. And so a lot of times that's what the mysteries are in the New Testament. But look at 1 Corinthians 2 and 7, it says, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. Look, at, I mean, that's just, there it is right there. He says, we speak, the things we're talking about are, are the, the wisdom of God that's been hidden from mankind since the beginning of time. That's Paul said, I'm not making this stuff up. This stuff's just not been known. It's been a mystery, okay? 1 Timothy 3.16 says, great is the mystery of godliness. Um, Romans 16.25 talks about the mystery of Jesus Christ. Paul explained the mystery of the resurrection to the, of the church in 1 Corinthians 15. I mean, if you go on and look uh, in Ephesians 1, it says God has revealed at least one mystery to, to us to unite all living things in Christ. So there are mysteries that are being revealed, and it's the Spirit of God that breathe on men to write this word. And so it's the Spirit of God that's revealing these mysteries, okay? I mean, I could go on and on. Colossians 2 and 2 says God is a mystery. Ephesians 6, 19 says the gospel is a mystery. Um, but, the, the, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. That word wisdom is a Greek word that means it means, uh, it's the word Sophia, which means spiritual wisdom. There's a difference between natural wisdom and spiritual wisdom, okay? So he's saying we are speaking the, the wisdom of God, the spiritual wisdom of God. How many of you think God's pretty wise, okay? And so if there's one thing we need in spiritual warfare is spiritual wisdom and understanding, why is this happening? What has caused this to be? What, 
What brought this about? Is there a reason? Is there a source? Is there something that's going on? Uh, I, I could tell you, I could sit here and tell you literal stories upon stories upon stories. I know of a, uh, a family many years ago that they were just very good people, godly people. I'm not, nobody's perfect, but I'm, I'm just saying they lived their life for God and, the, and, and their family was just, had, their kids were just being brought up in the ways of the things of God and they were outstanding people in our congregation. And then all of a sudden, it was like all hell broke loose in their home. Rebellion broke out in their kids. Husband and wife were after each other. Job fell apart. It was just like instantly overnight, something went wrong. And uh, we began to pray and began to seek the Lord. We're taking a stand like the enemy's coming to attack. I mean, that's not unusual. You know, if you're going to take a stand for God, you can expect the enemy to take a stand against you. But it was so severe, some of the things that started happening. Then a major illness came to one of, to, I can't remember, I think it was the wife. And we're like, something's behind this. There's something more than just this that's going on. And so um, one day I was out cutting grass. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I'm busy doing stuff, it's like, my mind is not focusing on something per se. I mean, yeah, I need to focus on cutting grass, but you know what I'm saying. In other words, I'm not, and, and I'm, a lot of times I'll just pray in the spirit. And I'm, I'm just, I'm not thinking about anything in particular or whatever. And, and as I was praying in the spirit, I was praying in tongues and pushing my lawnmower. All of a sudden it's like the Holy Spirit spoke and said, they've, they've allowed something to come into their house. And so it was so powerful the way it hit me. I had to finish what I was doing, and I stopped, and when he washed off and everything, picked up my phone and called them. I said, I said, look, I'm not saying this is of God. I said, but I have a very strong impression that something has come into your home that has not been in your home before. And they said, we can't think of anything. I said, can I come over? And so went over to their house, and they said, we've not brought anything into our house that we could think of. And I said, it doesn't have to be anything big, whatever. And finally, one of, one of the kids blurts out, well, so-and-so brought us that trinket from a name from another country. And it was a wood carving. And it was like a, a what do you call it? It set it on the table, open it up, you put a hot plate on it, like a trivet kind of thing. Is that what it's called, trivets? Something. Well, anyway, it, was, it had like a ceramic plate on it, but it was a wood carving and it would close. And, and I said, from what country? And I from, I'm t can't remember right now. And I said, bring it here, let me see. And when we brought it, it was hand carved. And when we looked, in each corner of it was a demon. I said, you don't realize, I said, when you've dealt with spiritual darkness in third world nations, especially places where um, um, spiritualists and people, are, uh, spiritists and, and, and um, worshiping of demons and things like this is very real. I said, you don't know who the person was that carved this or made this or whatever, but I'm telling you, look, and, and 
there it was. It was like God pulled the little red lens, and all of a sudden, right there in the four corners of that thing was a de- the face of a demon. It was evil-looking. And I said, I said, when did you get this? And everything started literally within 36 hours after they got that thing in their house. I said, you've got to get rid of it. And immediately, you know, like the husband's like, oh, what are our friends going to think? Maybe we should give it back to them. I said, you really want to give a demon thing back to them, you know? And I said, I'm sure they didn't know. I'm telling you, I know they didn't know. And I said, but you're either going to have to take a chance and offend them or just be up front and tell them. But I'm telling you, you've brought this thing into your house. You don't know the root. You don't know the person behind it. You don't know that it's someone involved in witchcraft or voodoo or whatever. I said, all of that stuff is real. And I said, you've got to get it out of this house. And so they said, well, let's just get rid of it. And I said, just, you know, maybe they'll forget about it, you know. But if it comes up, just don't lie about it. I said, you know, because that's just as bad. I said, tell them the truth. And, um, and I remember the guy took a Polaroid picture of it, you know. How many of you remember the Polaroid cameras? In fact, I was in Lowe's yesterday, and they got a stack of them things, and they're back. And I said, are you kidding me? I said, my old one must be worth a fortune compared to these old new ones. But um, uh, they took a picture so that they would have proof of what was on there. Then I said, get rid of it. And he took it out back and smashed it. I said, just get it out in the garbage, put it out by the road. I said, then we're going to walk through your house and we're just going to pray over it. And I said, I said, I said, just, we, we, we prayed over it. I said, give me a little bit of oil. And I just took a little oil. I said, and I just put it over the door frames of the house. I know that sounds crazy. I said, but in, 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 in the, the night of the Passover, what did they do? They put blood over the doors. I said, God, we rededicate this house. We cleanse this house. In fact, if you look in the Old Testament, it talks about the fact of leprosy coming in a house. And, uh, and I, I taught a message on that maybe 20 years ago and, and how you cleanse that house. And so I said, we prayed over it. And would you believe, I'm, I'm telling you, everything reversed almost 180 degrees within seven days. It was amazing. And um, I, I said, boy, I took a lesson from that. I mean, you just have to understand you need spiritual wisdom, spiritual wisdom. And if there's anything we need, it's revelation knowledge. There's a saying in many Nicaraguan Christian churches, and the saying goes like this, a devil exposed is a devil defeated. I said, why do you think it's the kingdom of darkness? It wants to hide. And what is God? God is light. Light exposes the things that are in darkness. Praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit can unlock hidden wisdom that reveals the enemy's plots and plans against us. Um, uh, and, 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 and it's not necessarily a negative thing. When, I, when my wife and I left uh, the church in Thibodeau, Louisiana, we left there to go start a church in Vashery, Louisiana, 
which was about 28 miles from Thibodeau down the, the Bayou Roads, which is 28 miles more, seemed like more like 50 miles going around them bayous, you know. And, um, uh, but we began in a house. We began a Friday night Bible study for adults. And within about five weeks, it had grown to 30-something adults. We couldn't get any more in the house. We decided to start a church in that house. The homeowner, God had already spoken to him, and he knocked out walls between his dining room and his living room to expand it. And so we, we started a church. And, this, and, and we were, I was still living in Thibodeau, but I was commuting to the house to have a house church. And... And God just opened that door, and we said, this is where we're going. This is what we're going to do. And, and um, uh, I, I remember the second week I was praying. In that morning, I was up and praying in, in, in my living room in, in Thibodeau. And I'm walking, and I'm just praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, praying and, and, and praying. And all of a sudden, I felt impressed to pray in English, a specific way. I said, God, I said, I said, I said, send an angel to turn the steering wheel of that vehicle right around, turn it 180 degrees back around and bring them to the house. And, and, that, and I remember praying that thinking, that's the dumbest thing I've ever prayed. You know, and, but I went back to praying in, in the spirit. And so we drove out to, to the house while we were having the church. We get there, and um, the first week we started, we had 36 people. The next week, we had 48 people. The next week, we had 62 people. I mean, it was just growing in this dead-end street. It's a dead-end street at the end of town, actually leaving the parish, okay? So it's not like you're passing by anything to get to it. It was at the far end of this dead-end street. And there's a young woman sitting there. On, we had folding chairs. We had moved all the furniture. We put in folding chairs. And there's a young woman sitting in front of me. And I ministered that morning. And um, she began to weep and cry. And I'm like, what's the matter? And so she, she told me what was going on, that she was upset because her mom was depressed and thinking of suicide and I said well, we're going to take authority over that that's that spirit of suicide I said we're going to come against it in the name of Jesus she was a brand new Christian she didn't understand hardly anything and I said well we're going to agree so I got a couple people who are a little bit older in the Lord than she was who agree with me and pray with her prayed over her mom I said what's your name she says my name's Penny and I said, Penny, how did you find us this morning? She said, the weirdest thing happened. And she said, I was sitting at the end of my road, and in, at the, the end of the road, I had to go left or right. And she goes, to the left was the big Catholic church where I was headed to Mass. She says, but when I went to turn left, she said, a car passed me, and in it, I saw some friends, and they just waved at me. And I waved back, and I thought, that was strange. They're not going to church. And they said, oh, maybe she, they went to earlier mass. So she turns left. 
She says, as I'm turning left, her words, she says, it's like somebody took control of my steering wheel. And the next thing you know, she says, I'm going the opposite direction and I'm following that car. I'm looking for their taillights of their car. I'm speeding around the roads out through the cane fields looking for their car. And all of a sudden I look and I see taillights like somebody put on their brakes. She said, I hit my brakes, I backed up, I went down that street, and there was cars all over the place, and I saw people coming in, so she said, I just came in. That's what she told me. I said, tell me this again. She says, I cannot explain it. It's like some, I turned left to go to that way and somebody just kept turning the wheel and I pulled a U-turn right in the middle of the road and went that way and I'm buzzing through cane fields looking for this other car. I said, oh, I said, I prayed this morning and I told her, she went, that's wild. I said, you tell me that's wild. Now, my whole point in telling you that is that, that sometimes we don't know how to pray. But when we pray in the Spirit, there will come revelation or understanding or insight at times. And when that happens, I begin to pray in the understanding because that's what Paul said. I pray in the Spirit and I pray in the understanding. I sing in the Spirit, I sing in the understanding, okay? And so at a lot of times I don't know how to pray. You know, people call and they think, pastor will know how to pray. I don't know how to pray. I mean, maybe I really just don't know unless the Lord gives direction. So I'll begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. And then as I do that, then all of a sudden their direction or revelation or understanding comes and I just begin to pray in the Spirit. It's, he, he gives revelation to know how to pray uh, against things that are coming against you. Um, or things that are going to happen. The Holy Jesus said when the Comforter comes, he will show you all things. He will reveal to you things to come. That's wisdom. That's, that's God's wisdom when he shows you things that are going to happen. Okay. Uh, author Larry Sparks, he said this. He said when the heat of spiritual combat it is easy to start praying prayers that agree with the size of the attack, emphasizing the problem that rather than focusing on the size of the blood-bought victory that Jesus purchased on the cross. Okay, does that make sense? In other words, we limit our prayers confined to what we know instead of focusing our prayers on the greatness of what God did through Jesus Christ on the cross, okay? He goes on and says, Praying in tongues empowers you to agree with God's victorious battle plan for your life and your circumstances, no matter what is going on around you. It does not deny reality. It simply positions you to agree with the higher truth of Scripture. Victory has been purchased, and it is yours through Jesus Christ. Okay? So th there's three serious main things that this does. I mean, I can make a list of things, but praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues builds us up as we speak directly to God. That's what Romans says. He says, well, we know not how to pray. The Spirit who knows the mind of the Father prays through us 
according to his perfect will. So not only that, Jude says praying in tongue builds my faith. It's like going to the spiritual gym and pumping iron. Okay? You're weak in faith, pray in the Holy Ghost. Because he's praying according to your needs, praying according to the will of God for your life. And that's what Romans says in Romans 8, 26, 27. Praying in the Spirit assures that I'm praying according to God's perfect will. And I'm telling you, God has a perfect will for each and every one of us. Do I always walk in his perfect will? No. But it's not because God's got four different wills. You know, there used to be a teaching probably 30-something years ago that God had a perfect will and a permissive will, and that either will was the will of God. No, listen, God has a perfect will. You know, I can get out of that perfect will because I go on my own understanding, go my own ways, follow my own desires, whatever, and God will allow that to happen, but that's not God's this choice. He would rather that I keep to the, to the path he's got. But if my heart stays right and I recognize that I've gotten away from him, I can repent and then he can bring me back. And the Bible says then he can use, he, that he can take all things and work them together for my good. He can take all the negative things that may have happened when I was outside of that perfect will and work it with the other stuff and still bring about his purpose in my life. But how many of you think it would be easier just to walk in the perfect will of God? Yeah, so praying in the Holy Spirit does that. We can, and not only that, praying in the Spirit keeps us on the offense. You know, I, I hear people talk all the time talk about the shield of faith, the shield of faith, the shield of faith. And that's an important part of, of God's armor for us. But a shield is a defensive weapon as a whole. And, 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 I, and God's wanting us on the offensive. And when you're on the offensive, you've got the other guy being pushed back. And, and that's what God wants us to do. Uh, the devil, you know, the Bible says the devil roams around like a roaring lion. Doesn't say he is a roaring lion. Just says he roars, he roars like one, you know. I heard an old preacher one time says he roars like an old lion, but he's just an old lion, got all his teeth pulled. That's the way it is. But the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. Praying in the Spirit is one way that we can fulfill the scriptural command. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, it says, pray without ceasing. Okay, yeah, a lot of people say, well, I just don't know how you do that pray without ceasing thing. That's because at any time, any place, you can actually pray in the Spirit. You know, and praying in, in the Spirit also builds the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And, and uh, I'm not going to read all the scriptures, but you can go to uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 26. He says, then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh for the flesh of the, the flesh lusts after against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And it goes on and lists all these different things that the, the, you know, fruit, the fruits of flesh and the fruits of the spirit. And my point is simply this, that I'm convinced that the more we pray in the spirit, the less likely we are to be to fulfill the lust of the flesh or the, the desires of the flesh, okay? Does that, make, does that make sense? I mean, first of all, because we're building up our faith, right? But when you're praying in the Spirit, you're more God-conscious than you are flesh-conscious. And so you're less likely to fulfill the lust of the flesh or the desires of the flesh 
and more likely to follow after the desires of God, the things that God wants of us. Paul wrote in Romans, he said, what a wicked person I am. He said, the things that I want to do are the things that I don't do. And the things I don't want to do are the things that I end up doing. And uh, I, remember, I remember reading that as a teenage kid one time. I said, so he's got a tug of war going on the inside of him too. And how many of you know the best way to win a tug of war? Is to, is to get the stronger guys on your side of the, right? I mean, you know, if, if it's just even, it's back and forth, back and forth. But if you get two or three extra people on the other side and start pulling, I don't care how big the other side is, they're going down. Well, when you're praying in the spirit, that's what's happening. It's like pulling, pulling God over to that side in your life. And all of a sudden, um, the temptation in the flesh is much less than it is when, when, you're not doing, when you're not praying. Praying in the Spirit helps mature the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. The fruit of the Spirit is a part of our mighty weapons, okay? What do I mean by that? And I'm going to close with this. When we, when we, ha when we walk in love with those who are not lovely, <laughs> we, we are moving in the opposite direction of the enemy because the enemy wants us to hate and despise okay when we bless those who curse us what are we doing we're demonstrating the love of God that is spiritual warfare okay when we walk in peace in, in a chaotic situation we are showing the devil that we trust God in Philippians 1 27 28 says whatever happens conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ do not be frightened by your adversaries. This is a sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and this from God. So what he's saying is that the peace that passes understanding is an offensive weapon. The fruit of the Spirit is an offensive weapon. The, the peace that passes understanding, what does it do? It protects our mind, our thinking, and our heart. What is, what is, that, what is that war? Our soul. And it's the mind, and it's the will, and it's the emotions. The will is the heart. It's the center that makes the decisions in, of our lives. And, and the thoughts that come into our mind, and, and the choices that we make, that's where the battle is. And praying in the Spirit is an offensive weapon against those things. The fruit of patience is a spiritual weapon. When, you, when you're waiting for God to vindicate you rather than you take, trying to do it for yourself. Uh, Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Boy, do I know that one. And, 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 and you know, um, I, I could go on and on and on. When you give your enemy, when you do good to your enemy, when they do evil to you, that's a spiritual weapon. You see what I'm saying? So all of these things work together. Praying in the Spirit will help us garner uh, victory over the flesh. Why? Because we begin, to, we, we begin to die to self and let Christ rule in our life. In our flesh, we are no match for the kingdom of darkness. But God has placed His Spirit. The Bible says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have it. We're not trying to gain worthiness. 
He has given it to us. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit always with all kinds of prayer and supplication. To that end, be alert with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray in the Spirit always. That's what he's talking about. And in spiritual warfare, that is a powerful, powerful weapon. And that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples, he said, the Holy Spirit is with you, but he shall be in you. I'm telling you, if you've not received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I would challenge you to ask God to fill you and and create such a hunger. Why? It'd be like going into a battle with one arm tied behind your back. And the other guy's got two hands, and he's, he's got them both equipped. Why, why would you want to do it that way? No. We need the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm always amazed. I talked to a person this past weekend. I was in Foley, Alabama. And uh, where we were staying, the pastor asked me to minister. And so a person came up afterwards, raised in church, raised in church, believing all of this stuff. But just saying, I've been so defeated lately. And I said, have you been praying in the Holy Ghost? He says, I haven't prayed in the Spirit, and I don't know when. I said, why? Why would you just like open the back door to the enemy and just let him come right in? I said, it's time to take up arms. It's time to go to prayer and pray in the Spirit. You can pray in the car. You can pray quietly at work. You can pray in, in, at home. while it, it, You can pray in the Spirit anytime, any place. I don't care if it's a minute or two or 10 or 30 or whatever. When, when my wife and I were first married, we went to work for a man named Norval Hayes, who was one of the leading teachers in the early charismatic movement. And... Uh, uh, he, he had a rule for any of us that were on, represented their, his ministry out on the road. And he said, you are, you are not to leave your hotel room or your motorhome or your travel trailer until you have prayed a minimum of 30 minutes in the Holy Spirit. That was a rule. He said, he said if you don't, if you don't, he said, you, you'll, you'll end up defeated. He said, because you're out there bringing the light of the gospel when we were traveling and working on college campuses, university campuses all across the United States. He said, do you realize what darkness there is on the university campuses across the United States? And this was a long time ago. It's been a long time since I was 18 years old, 19 years old. He said, pray at least 30 minutes. My wife and I, we would get ready. We'd do everything that we needed to do, and then we would sit down together in that little 19-foot Winnebago, and we would just pray in the Holy Ghost at least 30 minutes. And we weren't sitting there going, praying one minute, praying two minutes. You know, we're like, oh, it's five minutes. We still got 25 more to go. No, we were moving into the presence of God, and sometimes having a little worship music on and just praying in the Spirit it's powerful because you, you don't know how to pray, but he who lives inside of you knows how to pray just for you. I don't know how to pray just for you. 
I don't know how to pray just for me, but he knows how to pray. Praise God. Amen. Questions, comments, stories to add to it. Anyone? 